Road to Life. We love you. We're so glad to be back together on our podcast. We're here with Pastor Mike Shepline, and we're going to hear the message from Sunday where you can be inspired through the Word of God and maybe even a funny story. For more information, visit RoadToLifeChurch.com, and we'll see you next week. in a series and the title of it has been The Proving Ground. Everybody say The Proving Ground. The underlying foundation is that God wants to bless every area of our lives and our union with Christ is what makes that available to every one of us. And you can't read the Old Testament or the New Testament and not see that that is a major theme and a desire for God in our life is he wants to bless our life. Whether we whether you go in the Old Testament and you look at Abraham and Sarah or you skip a couple years and you look at like whether it be you know Moses, Miriam, Joshua, Caleb or you look at like David, Bathsheba, Solomon you see this theme or you jump into the New Testament and you literally see Jesus just saying it Paul declaring it over our lives but what we found out is we must grow in order to handle his blessing on our life or we, or it will mess us up and I, some people maybe thought in your mind well I can do this well you can but you can't do it in a healthy way See, God wants to bless our life, but what he wants to do is he doesn't want uh, it to screw us up or to mess us up, but we have the capacity to handle it and stay in life and stay in a, in a way that's directly connected to him. You know, if you think of, as I stand up here, if you think of the blessing that kids are, I'm on the, now on the other side of it where my kids are all grown up, but the blessings that kids are, how many of you know kids are a blessing? But when Jill and I had gotten married, we had talked about how many kids we wanted. And, and we both agreed that we were going to have seven, didn't we, honey? <laughs> we both agreed, honey, the Lord is watching. Um, it, we both agreed that we were going to have seven. But by the time we had four, we were both like, we're tapped out. How many of you know what I'm saying? By the time we had four, we were like, okay, we're, we're good with that. But realize this, kids are a blessing, but I am grateful that when we started having kids, God didn't give us all four at once. How many of you are with me on that? Or let me just throw this out there. He didn't give us all four teenagers at once in, in our life. Well, you get a bigger arousal out of that with, with people. They weren't just born teenagers in our life. But what we did is we grew in order to handle them. You know, we could have gotten all of the information. We could have read all the books, listened to all the CDs, or back then they didn't have CDs, but we could have, we could have gotten all of that. But realize this, that it was us going through tests in our life that took it from a information theory and developed muscle in our life to where it's like, okay, now it's not just a theory or it's not just information, but it is, it is muscle. And the proving ground is about God allowing us, this series is, and even leading us through certain types of tests in our life that develop muscle and prove our potential to handle greater. It proves, okay, we 
we can handle it and it's not overwhelming to us. And what I have noticed is there's often a gap between where we are and where we want to be in life. There's a gap, and you're here, and you're like, well, I'd like to be here. I think it's great. I think you should have faith and vision for that. But wherever our gap is, there's a test to pass that will develop us, develop our heart, develop our inside life that will build a bridge from where we're at to where we want to go. It will build a bridge. And so what God does is that, it, it, you know, what God does is he allows us and leads that. If you want to know how a person is going to handle greater responsibility, all you have to do is look at how they handle their current responsibility. That is not a slight. That's not meant to be a slight, but it's an honest assessment, I believe, that we should have of ourselves, but that God looks at us and he has in our life. God wants to bless every area of our lives, but first he wants to increase my capacity to be able to handle it so that it doesn't... It, it doesn't, you know, destroy my life or screw me up. And so he allows certain types of tests. And one of the foundation scriptures that we've used is Proverbs 17, 3. And it says, as fire tests the purity of silver and gold, but the Lord tests a heart. Have you ever, has anybody ever, um, I'm not I'm not good enough at this, so I can't tell the difference between fake gold and real gold. How many of you are with me on that? But, but what, can, what will reveal the difference between, or let me put it this way, 10 karat gold and 22 karat gold is I can, but what reveals the, the purity of that gold is when you put it in the fire. When you put it in the fire, if it's 10 karat gold, all the impurities float to the top. And what happens is, is you skim those off and it goes from 10 to maybe 12 to 18 to 20 to 22 karat gold. But it was the fire that revealed it. And God said, it's the same. He said, but the Lord tests the heart. In John 15, verse 1 and 2, Jesus said this. He said, I and the true grapevine, and my father is the gardener. Just a quick thing is he's giving us a word picture. They got it, but we're not agriculture-ish. We've got some great farmers and, and wine growers in the area. But in their day, he was giving them a word picture. And in verse, if you look, Jesus said, I am the main vine. I'm the vine. If you look at verse 5, he said that I'm the vine and you're the branches. If we were in Texas, he would have said it like this. I'm the vine and y'all are the branches. How many of you are with me? And then look at what he said. He said, and he said, and God in my father is the gardener or God is the gardener. And, and I want to just ask a question and he's going to answer it in verse two. But what's the gardener do? Verse two, he tells us, he cuts away every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit, and he prunes the branches that do bear fruit so that they will produce even more fruit. Because God loves and believes in me, he allows me to be pruned by getting me put in situations that are trying, that are testing. He, because he, he loves me in order to reveal and to cut off the dead wood. Now, just in case you wondered, all of us have got dead wood. Are you with me? 
All of us have, we got these branches that are doing great, but we all have dead wood. And the proving ground is about the nine different tests that we see throughout the Bible that God used to develop all of his kids, whether it's the Old Testament or the New Testament, and we see all nine of them. You know what I have found is this, and I want to encourage you is, is that if I know that a test is coming before I face it, say with somebody or with the situation, I do a whole lot better. How many of you know what I'm saying? How many of you wish that when you woke up in the morning, the Lord spoke to you and said, hey, this is just going to be a great day, but I just want to let you know this person is going to slander you today, just so you know, just be, you know what I'm saying? How many of y'all know you would just be like a little bit like, okay, I, I'm, I'm ready. How many of you know what I'm saying? You, or, you know, or get, you know what, today, guess what? You're, this is going to be a great day, but you're going to have a little wilderness experience today. How many of you would be like, okay, I'm ready for it. I'm, I'm, I'm ready for it. And the thing about it is, is when we talk about this, I believe that it's God saying, you know what? Universally, all of my kids are going to face all nine of these tests, and I want them to be aware so that when they're facing the test, they're not surprised. They're not shocked. They're not like, oh my gosh, what is this? But they recognize it and they see it. And so we, we talked about there's nine different tests that he allows, leads, and coaches us through. And I'm going to just say them really quick. If you were, have not been here or you're online, you can listen to them online. Just go back in the history. But the first one was the test of small things. The second one was the motivation test. Why do I do what I do? The third was the credibility test. The fourth test was the wilderness test. The fifth test was the authority test. Those are the people that are authorities in our life. How do I handle that? The last, before Easter, we talked about the warfare test. And today, what I want to talk about, and I know y'all are super excited, is the offense test. The offense test. This test will come to prove that you're not easily offended and that you have the potential to readily forgive other people. This is a test that comes, they put it on the screen, that is going to come that will prove that you're not easily offended. We live in a world today that gets offended about everything. How many of you know what I'm saying? They get offended. All you got to do is go on social media, and you could have been in a great attitude. You will leave offended. How many of you know what I'm saying? Is it's And what it is is it will prove that you're not easily offended. God wants to work the offense bone out of us. He wants to work it out of us and that you have the potential to readily forgive others. Jesus lived an unoffended life when he had every opportunity to be offended. He was regularly criticized, regularly questioned, regularly ostracized, regularly wrongly accused, regularly talked about negatively, regularly backstabbed. But what I love about him is if you even think about his birth, he was born in an animal feeding trough as a savior of the world because they wouldn't make room for him at an inn. How many of you, there's a lot of people that would just never get over that experience. He could have easily allowed that to affect how he saw people. 
and how he saw life. But he didn't let what other people said or do to him affect and define how he saw himself. Jesus lived from a place of knowing who he was regardless of what other people said and what other people did to him. He lived from that place. For some crazy reason, we think that holding an offense or a scorecard with a person who's wronged us equals the score. It, that, is, that is the most, that, and we're going to see it in the Bible. Re, the Bible reveals that holding on to an offense is one of the most self-sabotaging things that we can do to our life and to our future. It is sabotaging to our life and our future. You know, there's a story in the book of Corinthians that gives us insight into unforgiveness, and it gives us insight into holding on to an offense. And I'm going to read a verse, but before I do, I want to just kind of set it up, is realize that the Corinthian church in the New Testament was the, the most worldly, the most carnal, the most pagan, the most, uh, when Paul went in there to preach the very first time, you find out that, I mean, they had, um, they had, all different types of gods. They had, uh, they had deities. They had sexual prostitutes outside the temple that you could hire. It was just a full-blown pagan culture. And so Paul goes in there and preaches Christ to them, and, and they come out of full-blown paganism, just total ungodliness. That was the environment with just a ton of baggage in their life. And I want to just encourage you in this. God is good with our baggage so long as we don't justify it and try to change his word in order to approve it where we stop and we say, well, this is just God loves me, and so this is just, no, God loves you, but his word is the compass in life. His word is the compass. And so that's what happened is what you find out is in 1 Corinthians, and you can just jot this down, in 1 Corinthians 5, Paul writes them about a particular guy that is in this church, and he's a young man, and what he's done is he's stolen his stepmother from his father. And so now she's cohabitating with him, the son, and the church, rather than do anything about it, they're like, well, I guess that's cool. How many of you know there's something wrong with that? And so Paul hears about it, and he basically chastises them, and then he tells them, you kick this guy out of the church until he repents. But this is not God's church. This is not the way it was. And so the guy wouldn't repent at first, and so they, they kicked him out. But in the course of time, this person repents, but the church leaders are unoffending, or they're offended, they're unforgiving, and the guy wants to come back to church. He's repented, but they're like, forget it. We've written you off. How many of you know what I'm saying? Let me just a quick thought. Anybody in here, uh, somebody, <laughs> you've written somebody off. I want to tell you something God says, right? Nobody off. I can get to anybody. And so they, they've written him off and Paul hears about it. And he writes back to them in second Corinthians chapter two, verse 10 and 11. And he said this, he said, when you forgive this man, I forgive him too. And when I forgive whatever needs to be forgiven, I do so with Christ's authority. Now look at this statement for your benefit. Look at that. And then he, he reveals what that is. The benefit so that Satan will not outsmart us for we are familiar with his evil schemes. 
He says that unforgiveness in offense is a scheme or a tactic of Satan to mess up my heart, to mess up my health, and to mess up all of the relationships in my life. And he said, we're not ignorant. Yes, we deal with things, but we never let unforgiveness and offense settle in our heart because it is a tactic and it is a scheme of the enemy to screw us up, to screw up our future, and it will spread to all relationships in our life. You know, there's a difference in our life between feeling offended and living offended. There's a difference between it. And what we've got to realize is offense is two stages. It's not just one. The first stage is we feel offended. And I believe that this is a regular ongoing thing that we have to deal with while living down here in our life. Maybe this week, somebody did you wrong. Somebody said something about you. Maybe your employer, you felt like they did you wrong. Maybe whatever it is this week, it is an ongoing thing where we suffer wrongs in our life, where people do things, uh, uh, things happen, people say things, you know, something somebody said or something something somebody did maybe in your life caused you to feel put down or, or disrespected or maybe overlooked or ignored or marginalized or oh, they insulted me in my life or they violated I've been taken advantage of I was not considered and you felt offended look at what Jesus said about this in Luke chapter 17 verse 1 then Jesus said unto his disciples it is impossible but that offenses will come but woe to him through whom they come What I want you to notice is Jesus basically said, living down here, stuff is going to happen. People are going to say things. Things are going to happen in our life. We live in a broken world. We are broken people. We don't see everything. And there's a fallen nature of the human race that only thinks about itself. But what we've got to realize is this, is that, Every time something happens in my life, my life is like this glass of water. And when something happens, I got a nice little cup of dirt up here. And when something happens, it's like putting a little little bit of dirt in there. And then somebody else, you know, offends me. They did me wrong, whatever, whatever, whatever. Oh, my gosh. My wife got a little snippy with me. My husband was a little rude to me. My kids didn't really respect me. Oh, my gosh. My boss is a, was a jerk. Boom. I went to my favorite restaurant. And at my favorite restaurant, the food was normally good, but it was nasty this day. I don't know if I'm coming back. Are you with me? And so, and then you, and then you get in your car and as you're driving down the street, you pull into the Walmart parking lot and somebody decides that they're going to run the stop sign. And when you just lightly, graciously toot your horn, they let you know that you are number one. How many of you know what I'm saying? And so you, and so you get this stuff and it just keeps going and it just keeps going. And, and it's like, oh my gosh, Jesus said, this stuff is going to happen. Realize this, that this is stage one. Stuff is going to happen. But the second stage is to live offended toward people in my life or not offended. I get to choose in, in regard to that. 
This is the stage that many people are unaware of. They make the assumption that because I feel offended, now I have no choice but to be offended. Because I felt offended because I was wrong, and so now I have no choice. No, I have a choice to be offended or not offended. People can do offensive things toward me, and they can put dirt in my glass, and they can do, but I have a choice if I'm going to drink it or not. Nobody can make me drink this. I live in this world, so this stuff is going to happen. It's just going to happen. And we make this assumption that because this stuff happened and I, they, my, my feelings were offended and it kind of got in there that, oh, now I've got to drink this. I have a choice. Just because you feel offended doesn't mean you have to live offended in your life. You were just presented with a big glass of offense. You were just presented with it. And maybe it's justifiable. Maybe you can look at it and say, this is totally like Jesus. It's justifiable. But we pass the offense test when we put the glass down and say, you know what I'm not going to do is I'm not going to drink this. And I don't drink it when I stop rehearsing it. I stop talking about it. I stop uh, stirring it up on the inside. I stop reliving it over and over and over. I I try to find people that'll be sympathetic to my offense. I try to go on social media and find people that will agree with me. God says, stop, stop drinking the stuff. Just stop drinking it. You know, we pass this test when we simply put it down. You know that the word offense in the Bible is the word scandalon, and it has two word pictures. And, you, and it, depending on the translation you read, it means to be offense, but it also means to be temp, tempted, or tempting. How many of you know when somebody wrongs you or a something in life happens to you, you can be tempted to pick something up that messes with you? But the word scandal in is two word pictures, and this is what it means. It means a movable trip stick or a movable trigger in a trap or a snare. How many of you? Um, ever, how many of you buy mouse traps? You know what I'm saying. Mouse traps are like a fall thing here. Everybody gets mouse traps because they're all critters are trying to get in because they're like, I will die if I stay outside. So I like your house better and it's free. How many of you know what I'm saying? Where's the food? <laughs> and you get these little traps that that have that that little thing in the, that little trigger in the middle that you put a little bit of peanut butter or a little bit of cheese on. And you said it. Do you know that the word scandalon is that little trigger in the middle? That's what it is. In the Old Testament, it was a trip switch where they would bend over a sapling, tie a rope to it with a trigger, and when an animal would step into it, it would spring up and grab their ankle. That is the word offense or temptation when you look at this in the Bible. Here's the, it means a rock or an impediment. This is the other definition. A rock or an impediment placed in the way and causing one to stumble or fall. A stumbling block, an occasion for stumbling. Any person or thing by which one is entrapped and drawn into error or sin. Matthew 18, 7 says, Woe unto the world because of offenses. For it must needs be, now the translation says, it's necessary for them to come, but woe to the person whom the offense 
comes by. Now, I want you to notice, God doesn't say what they did is right, but God's not concerned about them. He's concerned about me. God says, well, they got it. You know, the principle sowing and reaping. It's like it's going to come around. But you need to stop and you need to realize that right now this is a scheme of the enemy. Satan is setting a trap to clog us up and to screw up our lives. That's what he's doing. You know, this test comes to prove that when you have a reason to be offended, you choose to not drink it. You just say, I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to drink it. How do I not drink it? By not rehearsing it, not reliving it in your mind, rethinking it in every aspect, in every detail, rehashing it, looking for anybody that you can find to talk about it, daydream about it. It's consuming our thoughts in our life. It's renting space in our mind and in our emotion. You know, when you think about it in your life, that, um, and I'm just going to say this, realize that you can get around offended people and it's like a virus, it will transfer to you. You can get around offended people and you can feel it. You can feel it. It's kind of a prickly sensitivity. Oh, I could tell. Whoa, stay away from that. How many of you know what I'm saying? And you're just like, but, and they can smile. Oh, everything's great. It's like, dude, I could tell if I poked that baby, you would explode. How many of you know what I'm saying? And it's like, you can feel it. You can see it. See, and what we've got to realize if, is if we don't watch it, other people's offenses get transferred to us just by us hanging around it. What I have noticed is this, is healthy people don't like being around offended people because it rubs them the wrong way. They're just like, ooh, how many of you know what I'm saying? And they, and they just don't like it. It's almost like they carry an, a, a toxin of, an, of a past experience and healthy people feel it. And they're just like, you know what? Just not gonna go there. See, it's impossible for offended people to have long-term, healthy, enjoyable relationships because realize this, it spreads to every relationship in their life. That's what it does. I want to give you, if I could, limited time, but five thoughts to help us not get offended with other people, with life, sometimes with God. Number one is this. Functionally, functionally realize we live in a fallen world. You say, what are you saying? All of us at church will be like, yeah, the world's messed up. Okay, you need to functionally realize that when you drive out, no, let me even put it this way. When you go get a coffee in the church cafe, somebody could do something that offends you. They take the last creamer. Oh my gosh, there was five creamers and that's my favorite creamer and they took all five and put them in their coffee. They were so inconsiderate of me. How many of you know what I'm saying? We could, we can get, we, it's almost like God said, functionally realize it. We can say it and mentally agree, oh yeah, I know the world's screwed up, but functionally, how do I do life where I don't get rocked and I don't get thrown off when stuff happens to me? People are going to say things. People are going to do things. Life is going to have some trying times, and we all have a limited knowledge. We only see in part. We only know in part. So just have the ability to just say, you know what? I right now, I'm not going to be surprised when stuff happens happens, but I'm going to guard my heart. And I'm going to make sure that even though maybe I got a couple spoons in here, guess what? I'm not going to drink it. Number two is this. We're more susceptible when we're not spiritually healthy 
or we're mentally and physically tired, drained, and wore out. We are more susceptible to offense when we are not spiritually healthy. When we're not spiritually healthy, we're weak in our life. I think all of us, excuse me, how many, I think all of us can look at ourselves and say, oh, I was just really worn out. I was just really tired. I was just really drained. I was just, you know, I was, it was just one of those things in my life. Medical science tells us that when we're physically wore down, we are more susceptible to catching bugs and catching viruses in our life. It is the same with God. We've got to keep ourselves spiritually healthy, and we've got to stop and make sure. How many of you, uh, don't raise your hand, but how many of you get hangry? Don't lift your hand. That means, you know, you're not normally angry, but dude, it's been five hours since I've eaten, and you know what? I'm a little edgy. It's like, okay, that is just, that's nothing more. It's the same spiritually. I got a bunch of scriptures, but I'm running out of time. Number three is this. Assume the best of others. Assume. We don't know everything. Y'all, we don't know everything. You don't know everything. You don't know what that person just went through. You don't know what's going on in their life. You don't know what, what just happened in their life. You don't know why, that ha- why they responded that way. We don't know all of the details. I like 1 Corinthians 13, 7. says that God's love in us is re- ever ready to believe the best of every person. How about just stopping and saying, you know what? I don't know why that happened. I don't know why they did that. I don't know why they said that, but you know what I'm going to do? I'm just going to assume they're having a bad day. I'm just going to assume they're not in a good spot. I'm just, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to pray for them right now. Lord, I pray you encourage them, that you lift their spirit, that you help them. We live in such a negative world. How about if Christians begin to assume the best of other people? They just begin to assume, oh, they didn't know they did that. They didn't, you know, Jesus said everything that God wants out of us could be summed up in two very simple statements. Number one is to love God with all your heart. And the second thing is to love your neighbor the way that you want to be loved. I want to be loved that when I am a little cranky or I'm a little edgy or I don't talk as sweet as I should have talked, where people are graceful to me, where people stop and, ah, you probably didn't mean it, not rip my head off. How many of you know what I'm saying? And God is like, what I want you to realize is this, is just stop in your life and say, I'm going to assume the best of other people. Number four is this, is don't meddle. Say it out loud. Don't meddle. You say, what do you mean by that? Don't get involved in other people's lives unless you're invited by the individual and then have really clear boundaries as to your involvement. Don't meddle in people's lives. Don't, don't get, people don't need our opinion about what we think they should or shouldn't do. They don't need it. Just got super quiet. People, okay, online, I'm talking to y'all because these people, they don't need our opinion. People don't need, oh, I think they should do this. Well, I guarantee you, if you ask them, they got some things they think you should do too. And we all get caught up in our opinions and it's meddling. The more opinionated we are, the harder it is to stay free of offense in our life. 
when we're opinion, where we, oh, this is my opinion. This is what I think. Oh, I think. Oh, I think. You know what? Have your opinion, but keep it to yourself. John Maxwell, who's a great leadership coach, said there's three signs of maturity. He said one is to be able to get a job and keep it. The next is to be able to um, have a dollar and not spend it. And the third is to have an opinion and keep it to yourself. How many of you are with me on that? Oh my gosh, if we would just stop. And the last one is this, is examine your expectations of others. What are my expectations? One of the main reasons people live offended is they have unfulfilled expectations and they usually manifest in three different ways. They usually do. The three different ways are unspoken expectations. They have an unspoken expectation. Somebody doesn't meet it, they get offended. The third is unmet, or the second is unmet expectations in their life. And the, and the third is unrealistic expectations. Unspoken expectations are things that we hope to see happen, but we don't express the hope for one reason or another. Oh, I hope this happens. Oh, I hope this happens. It's a secret hope in the process of becoming an expectation. I mean, I could, I could go on and on where marriages or maybe people at work and they thought that this was going to happen and they thought, but they never communicated. It was, and they had these expectations in their life. The second was unmet expectations. Something didn't go as you planned or someone isn't who you thought they were. Just stop and say, why? You know what I'm saying? They're not. You know, and, and I think in our life, maybe you're here and you say, oh, I thought this person was my friend, but they did this and they said this or they acted this way. Well, just stop and say, okay, well, I have an unmet expectation right there and they didn't reciprocate. Or maybe you're a plan, a planner in your life and you have goals and the goals aren't happening in your life. Those unmet expectations can lead to resentment. They can lead to frustration. And what happens is we can hold on to resentment and sometimes I've been around people and they're resentful toward God because they had this expectation that God was going to do this. I mean, I could give you so many examples of this in the Bible, Abraham and Sarah. And the last is unrealistic expectations. It happens when we presume to know more than we could possibly know. We know more than we could possibly know. And it creates impossible expectations in our mind, either of a person or a situation. Because we've got this expectation and it's unrealistic. Oh my gosh, I started dating this person and they are perfect. Okay, guess what? Guess what? Not perfect. Are you with me? And then they're like, oh my gosh. I can't believe they did this. You had an unrealistic expectation. Oh, you know what? My boyfriend or my girlfriend would never do that. How many of you are with me on that? Oh, I would never. We've got these unrealistic expectations in our, our life. You probably think of a time in your life where, you, where something happened wasn't the way you planned. It was very difficult and very hard in your life. We're human. We don't have all the answers. And the minute we think that we do, 
we set ourselves up for unrealistic expectations, which then leads to offense in our life. I want everyone to stand up if you would. I want you to stand up. I'm out of time, right? Am I out of time? Just I. I'm out of time. You're here today, and the Lord is just saying, I want to bring freedom to your life. You've made the assumption you live in this fallen world, and every day things happen, and you get a feeling, oh, that person was rude to me. Oh, this happens, that happened. And you have made the assumption that because you felt like that, that you are now at a spot where you are offended. How about just stopping today and saying, Lord, I realize today that you said that number one, in this natural world, offenses, people doing me wrong, things happening I don't get, they're part of living down here. And number two is you said that they're necessary for my development and my growth in learning how to let stuff go and say, God, I'm going to trust you. Lord, I'm going to trust you in this. I don't get it. I don't understand it. Lord, that wasn't fair. Lord, that isn't right. Lord, this is painful. God, this is hurting me. And God is saying, what I need you to do is I need you to just stop and say, I am not going to drink it anymore. Are you with me? I'm not going to drink it. I want us today to just bow our head and to close our eyes. You're here today. And the Lord is challenging you to maybe take a new way. Maybe in your life, you're here and you say, I realize that I have been going this way. Or maybe you were even raised in a home that it's second nature to you. Right now, the Lord is saying, I got a new way and I want you to pass this test. I want you, yes, you're gonna go through things. Yes, you're gonna feel things, but make a choice that I'm not gonna drink that anymore in my life. God, I thank you for every person that is here. I thank you for your Holy Spirit that is here right now. And Lord, as, as we shared at the very beginning, all nine of these tests are things that regularly reoccur. They're not just one-time things, but they regularly reoccur. And Lord, what I know about this particular test, the offense test, is that Lord, if we're not in it right now, there's a high likelihood we're gonna face it this week. And Lord, we're asking you to help us. Lord, help us to not be shocked, help us to be able to just stop right where we're at, realize that yes, it's part of life. And Lord, maybe even to evaluate our lives and say if we had unrealistic expectations that have led to us getting to this place in our life. Say this with me. Say, Lord, help me. You know what it's like to live down here. And I'm asking you, help me to let stuff go. Jesus' name. With every head bowed, every eye closed, you're here today and you've never given your heart to Christ. You say, what do you mean by that? 
you coming to the end of yourself, the end of saying, I've done life my way. God says, comes into our life. And when you talk about giving your heart to him, you're saying, Lord, I give my past, I give my present, and I give my future to you. And I invite you to come in and to be the Lord of my life. You're here and you say, that's me and I know it. If that's you on the count of three, I want you to just simply lift your hand up to the Lord and we're all going to pray together. One, two, three. Lift it up to the Lord. Thank you. Yes, thank you. Thank you. I want to lead us all in this prayer. Say this with me. Jesus, I believe that you're God's son, that you willingly came and allowed yourself to be crucified, to pay for my wrongs. And I today, I'm asking you to forgive me. Come into my life. Be the Lord of my life. I invite your Holy Spirit to change me from the inside out. I give you my heart and the rest of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, Lord. 